0: told y'all I'd be back. Welcome back to another episode of The Alley from Sinister Silhouettes. I'm the host, Tasha Pierce. And boy, we got some big news. It's been a long time coming. Very long time. If you have been in these true crime streets for a long time, you know that we have all had our suspicions about one person in a very high-profile case. And all of our suspicions have been confirmed today, Natalie Holloway's a killer has finally admitted just what he did to her. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the Natalie Holloway case, Natalie was 18 years old when she disappeared on May 30th, 2005. She was on a high school graduation trip to Aruba. She was last seen leaving Carlos and Charlie's, a nightclub in Aruba with a local man named Yaron Vandersloot and his two friends, Deepak and satish kalpo and i'm hoping that i'm saying their names right but if i'm not who gives a care now despite an extensive search by aruban authorities the fbi dutch soldiers um she was never found her remains have never been discovered and she was declared legally dead in 2012 Vandersloot has long been the prime suspect in holloway's disappearance He changed the story multiple times about what happened that night, and he was eventually arrested and charged with murder. However, the charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. So in 2010, Vandersloot confessed to killing Natalie Holloway, but then he recanted his uh, confession. He was later convicted and sentenced to 28 years in prison for the murder of another woman, Stephanie Flores, in Peru in 2010. Vandersloot was extradited to the United States to face charges of extortion. And wire fraud for soliciting money from Holloway's mother in exchange for information about her daughter's disappearance. So he pleaded guilty to those charges and was sentenced to 18 years in prison. Now, during this plea hearing, Vandersloot reportedly confessed to killing Natalie again. However, uh, this confession wasn't made public, the details had remained a mystery. Here we are today we have gotten complete and total confirmation after waiting more than 18 years for some measure of justice. And I'm reading from an article from Law and Crime, by the way. After waiting more than 18 years for some measure of justice connected to the Aruba disappearance and death of 18-year-old high school senior, Natalie Holloway, her mother, Beth Holloway, appeared in an Alabama federal courtroom to confront the man long suspected but never proven to have murdered her daughter in. May 2005, until now. I'm continuing to read here. Yoran Andreas Petrus Vandersloot is now 36 years old. He got 18 more years of life than Natalie was ever able to see. But he was held without bond in Shelby County Jail since he was booked on June 9th following his extradition to the Yellowhammer State from Peru, where he was and will have to continue serving a 28-year prison sentence for murdering another woman, 21-year-old Stephanie Florez. Representing Vandersloot in court Wednesday was Alexandria Darby from the Office of the Federal Public Defender. Uh, Austin Schutt appeared on behalf of the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Alabama. At the hearing, Vandersloot pleaded guilty to wire fraud and extortion. His statement is so full of shit, but I'm going to read this. I would like to take this chance to apologize to the Holloway family to apologize to my own family, I would like to say I am no longer that person. I have given my heart over to Jesus Christ. You know, once a person finds themselves in prison, now I know that there are many who are going to say, Tasha, this is about to be a shocking thing that you are about to say. It makes me wonder if Jesus is hanging out, he's already come back and he's hanging out in prison because so many people, when they have no other option about how they're going to live their lives, suddenly turn their life over to Jesus if Jesus is anything close to the figure that we read about in the Bible pretty sure he wants nothing to do with a piece of shit like Joron are yes I'm telling you exactly how I really feel back to the article on the eve of the hearing at the Hugo L Black United States Courthouse US District Judge Anna Manasco of the Northern District of Alabama issued an order regarding victim impact statements saying that the court will probably consider written and or oral victim impact statements only from the victim of the stuff that was charged in this particular indictment and, of course, the immediate family, not from any other person. So we knew that there was a potential that we could hear from the family of Natalie Holloway. Beth Holloway delivered those remarks and she started by flipping Vandersloot's spiritual conversion claim on its head telling him you look like hell. Talking about you converted to Christianity. You look like hell. That, That was me, emphasis added, okay? Mrs. Holloway's statement went on, for 18 years you have denied killing my daughter. The grief extends deep into my soul. You have finally admitted that you murdered her. You terminated her potential, her dreams and possibilities when you bludgeoned her to death. You are a killer. And every time that jail cell closes, I want you to remember, that, even though you have finally confessed and confirmed that you are my daughter's killer, you can't be tried here for her murder. Uh, As Beth Holloway asked the judge to sentence Vandersloot to the max, she reportedly told him, and by the way, you look like hell, Yoran. I don't know how you're going to make it. After Holloway returned to her seat, Judge Manasco reportedly sentenced Vandersloot to 20 years in prison, set to run concurrently with his murder sentence in Peru. You have brutally murdered two women who refused your sexual advances, the judge reportedly said. You knew the information you were selling was an absolute lie. The concurrently running sentence is significant because the murder sentence in Peru is up in 2038, which is 15 years from now. This appears to mean that the most VanderSloot would serve in U.S. federal prison is roughly five years, and that would technically be for extorting Natalie Holloway's mother, not for the murder of Natalie herself. Natalie was an aspiring pre-med student who had earned a full scholarship at the University of Alabama before she disappeared during her high school graduation trip, and she was declared legally dead, like we spoke about earlier, in 2012. I guess another sad reality about this case is that Natalie's mother was so desperate for information that when uh, Vandersloot reached out to her in 2010 and told her, hey, if you give me $250,000, I'll give you all the information that you want about your daughter's murder. Then he went on to give worthless information after he had already been paid an initial $25,000. Sadly. This garbage, this fucking piece of shit used that $25,000 to go to Peru, and that is where he murdered Flores. Essentially, he had one of his victims' mother finance his trip to find another victim. Vandersloot strangled Stephanie Flores, who was also a student, and he met her while he was participating in a poker tournament at a casino in Lima, Peru. He did that on May 30th, 2010, which is ironically five years to the day that Natalie Holloway disappeared. Now, he went on and pled guilty to murder in 2012. He also acknowledged that he robbed Ms. Flores of hundreds of dollars worth of currency to fund his escape to Chile. But there he was arrested mere days after the fact. Now, at the time, Vandersloose defense lawyer Jose Luis Jimenez Uh, reportedly said his client was stressed out on the day of the murder as the five-year anniversary of Holloway's disappearance and the fallout from it weighed heavily on him. So not only did this piece of garbage use money that Natalie Holloway's mother sent him for information that he did not provide, he used that money to go to Peru and then on the day of Natalie Holloway's disappearance, the anniversary of that date rather, he kills another woman and then Blames it on Natalie Holloway. This is altogether fucked up. So, yeah, he ended up confessing to Flores's death and was sentenced to prison. So, the Peruvian government previously agreed in 2014 to extradite Vandersloot to the United States after he finished serving his murder sentence in 2038. But then Peru said, you know what? We will extradite him earlier in June 2023 in order to provide peace to Mrs. Holloway and to her family. They had him sent here so that he would have to face justice here in the United States. And then we're going to send him back to Peru to continue serving the sentence for uh, Ms. Flores. But yeah, if you ask me, it's just not enough time. This man, if he wasn't caught in Chile, would he have murdered again? Would he have been a full-fledged serial killer? That's the question. Because two murders on you is already bad enough. And what he put that Holloway family through is totally disgraceful. I hope the years are very unkind to Euron Vandersloot because really, he is the definition of human garbage, just an animal, an animal. And all of this over a sex or lack of getting it. This is how I'm almost 100% sure we would have heard his name again had he not been been caught in Chile, because he cannot take rejection. He could not take hearing the word no. And it was just so unfortunate that these two young ladies crossed paths with this animal. I hate to be petty, but I really hope they give it to his ass in prison. I hope they give it to him. I remember a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about uh, Kevin Frankie, the husband of Ruby Frankie. And I was like, how complicit was he in all of the apparent abuse of his children? Now, we know that in some of the extreme parenting situations, he was very complicit. He was down like four flat tires on the Fleetwood going up a muddy hill. He was down to pretty much torture these children uh, in the name of discipline. But when we start talking about the abuse, I questioned whether or not he had been manipulated to the point of not knowing what was going on with his children. I I think now I have changed my mind. I have seen the light. I have come to the conclusion that Kevin Frankie is also a piece of human trash. And I have reasons. This is an article coming out of People magazine and I'm going to read for you all. And maybe, just maybe, you'll agree with me. Kevin Frankie, the husband of Ruby Frankie, allegedly wanted to have his estranged daughter, Sherry, the older one. He wanted to have her arrested on a burglary charge after police broke into his home to serve a warrant. That's according to a Fox News report that was subsequently confirmed to people by Kevin's attorney, who I also had my suspicions about. I feel like he was all something. Remember that whole campaign he was going on to make Kevin look like such an innocent man? He hasn't been there for 13 months. How would he know what was going on in his home? Now, I'm not saying that he was wrong for doing that. I'm saying that I knew that there was an ulterior motive behind all of that. And of course there was. He wanted to make his client look innocent of any charges that might be coming his way. Well, after the arrest of his wife, Ruby, and her little partner, Jody Hildebrandt, police searched Frankie's home in Springville, Utah. Kevin filed a police report after he discovered his house had been broken into. Telling an officer that electronics had been stolen and that he suspected that his oldest daughter Shari was responsible, according to an incident report obtained by Fox News. Kevin stated that Sherry was not allowed in the home, that he believes she entered unlawfully, and he wanted her charged with burglary. Police reportedly wrote that in the incident report. So in essence, days after his wife was arrested for the neglect and abuse of two of his children. He comes back to the house that he had not lived in, allegedly, for 13 months, finds the door broke down, finds things are missing out of the home, immediately suspects his daughter of being the person who kicked the damn door in and took stuff out of the house. It's never occurring to him that, is it possible that the police kicked the door in? You know, they were looking for some other children to make sure that there weren't children who were in trouble in that home as well, right? Because that would make sense to people, maybe you and me, but obviously it didn't make sense to Kevin. He immediately thinks that Sherry comes through with a goddamn battery ram or something and knocked the door down so she could steal some electronics. Well, the police set that straight real quick. Springville police then told Kevin that police had executed a search warrant and that his daughter was not responsible for the damage, the outlet reported. The officer also reportedly told Kevin that Sherry was unaware that she was not allowed to take the electronics out of the house and she returned them. She did take the electronic. She went inside the home to get things for her siblings, the ones who were not part of the Jody Hildebrand fiasco. She wanted to get some things for them and she picked those up as well. The electronic Fox report is citing the incident report were three tablets, three cell phones, three cameras. Written journals and three passports. Now look, and I don't know if her passport was in the home, but I don't blame her for grabbing those passports. Because we found out that the other two children who were not part of the Jody Hildebrandt garbage, um, they were staying with a person who was a partner in this whole connections scam that they had going on. And I'm calling it a scam. Y- y'all could call it what y'all want. It's a flam to me. This lady that these children were staying with was a part of connections now she was not as big a part as jody and ruby but she was part of it so yeah i would want the passports to make sure that she doesn't try to skip the country with these children i don't know if the third passport was her own passport or her father's passport to make sure that he didn't do the exact same thing skip the country you know she probably was thinking on her toes because Sherry seems to be a very bright young lady. Uh, Of course, she's the oldest, but she was the first in the family to realize that there was something fishy with this family. She's like, this is not normal. She figured that out after going away to college, and then she made it her mission to help her siblings who were still in the home under Ruby and Kevin Frankie. But can you imagine that? He wanted his daughter arrested even though your priority should have been the two children who uh, were in this horrible condition at Jody Hildebrand's house. He was more concerned about having his eldest child arrested. And that makes me think that those electronic devices, we don't know who they belonged to, right? But it makes me think that those electronic devices may have something that points the finger at Kevin having some knowledge of his children being in a bad way. Maybe he didn't know how bad of a way they were in, but it is possible that he knew more than he and his attorney are letting on. And that is why I have come to the conclusion that Kevin Frankie is a piece of trash. I'm going to go on and tell you what his attorney said uh, when the news came out that uh, Sherry, had been thrown under the bus by her father, here's how his attorney tried to spin that situation. He said, at the time, Kevin was understandably upset that his front door had been broken and that much of his property had been taken, including personal property as well as private and personal electronic devices and their content. Let's just stop right there for just a second. Kevin was understandably upset that his front door had been broken and that much of his property had been taken. So if this stuff was of that much importance to you and you haven't lived at the home for 13 months, number one, it's very arguable whether or not that's your front door, but that's first and foremost. But then secondly, if this stuff was so important to you, why didn't you take it with you when you were gone for 13 months? Anywho, Hester continued, that's the attorney, by the way. It was his home and property and he was never served with a warrant. How are they going to serve you with the warrant when your children don't even know where the hell you are? When you yourself or through your attorney have admitted that you have not been inside this home for 13 months and legally, I don't know what their situation is, but in most places, if you have been gone for 13 months without any, what he said, three or four times that he's talked to his wife in that year that he was gone, that might not be your house no more, partner. You can't call that home. We don't have to serve you with a warrant when there is probable cause to believe that some children could be behind that door in dire need of assistance. Nobody owes you shit. Kevin, how the hell do you think you a victim in this? And how is your attorney getting on TV and making uh, these statements when it's quite obvious you are not a victim? Oh, it's just pissing me off so bad. I just hate this family or at least the adults in the family. So yeah, Kester said it was his home and property, and he was never served with the warrant. Moreover, this allowed other third parties, third parties, like we don't know Sherry's name, but anywho, this allowed other third parties who did not live at the home access to his home and property and of which they took advantage, notwithstanding what he considered to be a significant and hurtful violation of the sanctity of his home and property. A home, again, He had not been to not even to check on his children for 13 months. Kevin has taken an ameliorating and healing path. He has taken no adverse action to the police and continues to strengthen the bonds between he and all of his children. So in essence, oh, he's trying to make friends with Sherry down just literally probably a month after he tried to have her ass thrown in jail for taking things out of the home. Actually, a home that is just as much her home as it is his because he hadn't even been there for 13 damn months. So that's the latest on these freaking Hildebrads. Ruby Frankie, Kevin Frankie. That's the latest information that I have. We're still awaiting a hearing for Ruby and Jody, see where things go next. And we're still waiting to see if Kevin will be facing any charges in conjunction with what has gone on with his children. So, at the very least, now I don't have any sympathy for this man. I thought he was being manipulated by Jody and Ruby, but he's just as big a piece of garbage as they are. So yeah, that's what I got for you guys today. It was bittersweet uh, justice for Beth Holloway and the Holloway family in regards to their daughter, Natalie Holloway, and actually finding out what happened to their child in Aruba, in two thousand five and also this Kevin Frankie shit. I'm still waiting for justice for these children. I cannot wait until a trial starts for this case. Because I cannot imagine how Jody and Ruby will get out of this. This is a world of shit they're in. I can't imagine how they would get out of it. Because there are people a litany of people who have been hurt by Jody Hildebrandt's malpractice in the past, and they are coming out. And you can't beat the evidence when you have a child who is emaciated, who has tape around his uh, arms and legs, and has open wounds that that were being treated with cayenne pepper and honey. Yeah. You know, that right there is a detail that I never spoke out loud. That sounds horrible. I don't know if that's some type of treatment that they used to do in the olden days before we got antibiotics and the such. But um, it sounds very uncomfortable to me. Sounds very uncomfortable to me. I can't wait till these two wenches find themselves on trial for what they did to these children, unless they're smart enough to just go ahead and cop a plea. But something tells me that neither one of them think they did anything wrong. Something tells me that this is going to go the distance. They're going to try to go every round with the state of Utah in these charges. So you guys tell me what you think. Again, looking in the description box, the show notes, you will find different ways to support the show, how you can follow me on social media and the links to the articles that I used as I was talking about uh, these two stories today. Ratings on uh, Spotify have moved up. The ratings on Apple Podcasts have moved up, but the reviews are standing still. That's okay. Make sure that you are at least rating wherever you're watching. I would appreciate it because it helps the show grow. And it also lets me know whether or not I'm doing a decent job at presenting these cases. Um, so far, we're at like a 4.3 out of 5 on Spotify, 4.7 out of 5 on Apple Podcast. So there's that. That that, that makes me feel um kind of good. It does. I appreciate you all for listening, for rating and reviewing, and for sharing with somebody who you think would enjoy my commentary. And until next time, Shadowy Sloops, keep your flashlight handy, your curiosity alive. I am signing all. Stay sharp, stay sassy, and keep shining a light on those shadows. Be safe out there. Peace.